You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Gabe Jarman. What up, guys? So, Gabe, what do you do for a living, man? Uh, currently, I work for Coca-Cola. Whoa, 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 whoa. You work for Coca-Cola? Mm-hmm. Like the the, 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 the... the soda company. Okay, what do you do for Coca-Cola? Just stock the shelves when you I'm go to the I'm pretty much, yeah. Glorified stock boy. But uh, I did just have an interview today to work at the casino. Ocean Downs. Is that where you want to work? Why you don't, like, you don't like working at Coke? That labor sucks. <laughs> I believe it, man. Carrying those liters of soda all day. But I mean, that's how you build up muscle, too. You get as much soda as you can drink, basically? No, no. There's really no... You don't really get deals out of it. You, you don't just, get deals? No. So would would they get pissed if you walked in drinking like a Pepsi or something? Yeah, actually. Are you serious? Yeah, Do they have like a rule? Yeah, if you're working on the clock and you're not drinking something that is a Coke product, you can get written up if a supervisor or someone higher up sees it. Because it's like it's the same idea as like supporting. Well, I'm a fan of the Great Value Cream Soda. So. Well, that well yeah, but you can't really be drinking like canned soda while you're working. But I mean, like I can't be drinking like uh, Aquafina if I'm working on the clock. I should be drinking Dasani. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, that's, but that's crazy, because you got to think, I mean, how was Coke originally invented was using, like, what, the cocoa it was, leaves? It was, it was the cocoa leaves, but it was, like, the cocaine that made it, like, addicting. Is that the they don't They don't do it anymore. They still use the cocoa leaves, but they don't use the cocaine part of it. I mean, I think you have to, yeah, you'd have to change it up. I think little people would be a little they, like, extract. They, like, it's, like, something, like, they, like, extract it out. They still use, like, the cocoa leaves. They just don't use it with... The actual, like, cocaine in it. Random fun fact. Did you know freaking uh, Donald Trump drinks, like, 12 of them suckers a day? Diet oh Cokes? Yeah, I do. I wouldn't doubt it. A lot of older people really like Diet Coke. And, like, <laughs> excuse me, caffeine-free diet. What are you drinking soda for if you don't, you don't want caffeine in it? It's like drinking decaf coffee. Are you drinking it for the taste? What's going on with your leg? Are you all right? Yeah, it's just my leg. has, like, a bug bite on it, so it's itching the hell out of oh, it. Oh, Jesus. Well, um... <laughs> You know, I mean, is that something that you, like, how did you even get started doing that, just working for a Coca-Cola company? Because I, I know we have a Coke guy that lives down the street, but he drives a van and stocks that up, so. Oh, okay, yeah, he's one of the, okay, yeah, he does, like, the small stores. Um, well, my, when, uh, my dad started working for Pepsi originally, when he moved down here after my parents, like, divorced, and he was there for a couple of years. And basically, at one point, it was just like, fuck it, Coke's going to pay me more. So we quit Pepsi, walked across the street, and got a job at Coca-Cola. Because the plants are right next to each other. Like the Twix factory type thing? Basically, yeah. Right Twix, left Twix, there's yeah. Pepsi and Coke right next to yeah. each other? like the Coke plants here, there's like a road, a railroad, a road, Pepsi. Oh my god, dude. I'm just picturing like, at like 12 o'clock when it's lunchtime, everyone just goes out and they just stare at each other. No, for like 30 minute no one has any ill will towards each other. Just we just know it's a job that none of us really enjoy doing. Is it that's because it's kind of like kind of corporatized? Like you're, you're they you look at you more as like robots instead of looking at you as people. Like if you work for a small business or something, you're taken more like kind of care of and like they know your name, they know everything about you, and they know like your family. Well, stuff. I mean, we're there. There, it's not like because like Coca Cola itself is like it's like there's like different corporations. So, like, Coca-Cola is, like, the name, but there's also, like, different companies around the country. So, it's not Coca-Cola controls everything, because that's a monopoly, and you can't have that. 
I like the board game, so. <laughs> but no, when you think about like a giant thing like, like Walmart, okay? Yeah. Walmart is like, when if you work there, it's very, very difficult because they don't care about you. They just care about the job getting done. Yeah. And for someone like me, that's hard to really fit in that type of environment because I like to feel like I'm actually known. Like someone knows my name if I wasn't wearing a name tag. You know what I mean? So I'm well, better I mean, working yeah, in a small business. You've seen business. me work. I don't carry, they, like the name tag I carry just says Coke on it. Yeah. Just so they know that I'm currently working. But uh, most of the people in the store will know most of the vendors' names because just because of how much they have to interact with each other. Just like my 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 boss, like only what like only knows all the people under him by name because there's only like maybe like ten or so, ten or twelve people. Are you assigned to different stores like assigned stores? Like you don't you're have assigned like... a uh, you're assigned a route. So which is basically like, like FedEx. Basically, like a route is like your set stores. So like when you see me in Walmart, it's because I have that Walmart and I have three other food lines I go to. And you see this as something you don't want to end up on, like just continuing anymore just because it sucks. I've done it for a year and I'm not a huge fan of it. My dad's just done it. This is like his 10th year doing it. It's really, it's really tiring. I just do not like it at all. It's just not something what you want to do. So then what's your passion? I don't really have really, I don't really have much Everyone's got something, man. What's your interest? What do you What do you see yourself doing in the future? Like, what was always a career path you wanted to kind of take or pursue if you were going to continue education or do something that needed? Well, uh, one idea I had was being like, like a music teacher, like a professional, like mu- like musicians, last music teacher, and I ended up going to school for it, and it just really didn't work out the way I wanted it to, so I ended up dropping out of college for it. Why did you drop out? If why like, Why didn't it work out? Uh, just because, like, I did really well in some of, like, the early stuff, but it, there's also, like, heavy requirements that you need to be following. Like, to be a music major, you really have little to no free time. Do you feel like you, um, have the patience to be a teacher in oh, that yeah. scenario? Like, you feel like you could take the time step by step with a child? Yeah. And you also form yourself to whatever their learning process is? Yeah. Now, is that something you still would like to kind of think of doing, or do you feel like you're better in a different outlet now? I've I still have the idea of being just like a teacher because I still have the you know I have the patience of working with with like small children children or just teaching in general like growing up I always helped my my grandmother is uh, the owner of uh, French Forever Daycare off of Friendship Road okay so like I would always spend time with her when I got older I would help her like you know like read stories to the kids teach them and I always like it helps you get, build that uh that patience of trying to like deal with you know, an energetic five-year-old that doesn't want to sit down during story time. Especially trying to get a kid to learn an instrument, man. I mean, a lot, like, I didn't start taking really, like, I, I took music appreciation this semester, and I just, like, passed it A. Didn't have to do much. Teacher kind of just seemed like he was just there to get paid, like, you know what I mean? But um, when he played videos and stuff, it was like I was, I started looking at art and types of creativity in a different form. You can, If you start looking at things in different ways, you start to kind of get hooked on anything. Mm-hmm. And like that can be taken good and bad, obviously. You know, if you look at crack in a good way, you're going <laughs> to want to do crack. But, you know, oh, you get to punch holes in the walls. But if you think you t- you're looking at music and you start seeing it as someone that took the time to put their passion down and their inspiration, their just like dream on in, in a lyrical form or just in a musical form, then it becomes something else. So you start to appreciate it more. Instead of looking at it like that's just techno garbage, you look at it like that's a dude processing stuff through his brain and finds this certain sound to make it sound good. 
Yeah. And that's what would drive anybody that like, especially if you want to be a music teacher or learn an instrument, being able to create and basically vocalize yourself through an instrument. Same thing with writers. You're vocalizing yourself with through your words, but you're writing it down. So that's how you vocalize it. You know, it's like how I talk and have a podcast. I'm vocalizing myself. I'm finding something I like to do and expressing it in a way I feel I'm comfortable doing. And it's interesting because you get a bunch of different people you know, have multiple different stories and a multi different magnitude of things. But if you, you get the same thing if you're a music teacher. Yeah. And the fact that, I, I mean, you, I feel like you would be best suited for being a teacher of some sort just because you seem like you have a lot of patience and you're not an all-around aggressive person. And um, I know you kind of talked about a little bit yesterday about um, when we did the one podcast, uh, Revenge of the Geeks 4, um, the, the error edition with Chris, yeah. But it's it, it was it was cool because you you came like we just met each other and like you just like you you let in some really really personal information yeah. during the podcast. Like it brought you to a sense of opening, and I wanted to ask you more about that because I want you to tell me from the story. You said you were in a place at one time where you thought about actually harming yourself. Yeah. That's something that, I mean, I, I take, you know, a little bit of medication for depression. It seems like a lot of people find a way to deal with their depression. And a lot of people get stuck behind a wall and can't kind of t get, get find the area to step out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was lucky enough to never actually take medication. My my uh, my younger brother uh, is, like, just diagnosed and has to take, like, medications and stuff because he's actually attempted several times. Mm. They've it's never like gone through or worked, but he's just always like he always has like the thoughts in the back of his head. But how did yours start? When did you start getting depressed? And when did you start seeing the depression? Was it effect from bullying in school? Because like for me, that's how it was. I got kind of a bit of a disorder with my body when it came from school issues. I know some kids that like most of their depression and anxiety. That's like where it seems to largely develops either in early early childhood or just. Going into school, like high school, those are big anxiety years. Like, you know, Chris yeah. has irritable bowel syndrome. I don't want to meet, call him out on the podcast, but, like, that's something a lot of people experience when they have anxiety and feeling like they're trapped in a room. They immediately have to go to the bathroom. Like, it's, it's yeah. a sense of your body trying to escape the feeling that it's in. Well, um, I guess, like, I could start from when, uh, like, when I officially moved away from my mom to live with my dad. And, like, that didn't end on good terms, so I ended up not speaking to my mother for about maybe two and a half years. Did you have like, a good relationship with her? Uh, I had a decent one after my parents split up. My Both my parents were kind of, like, in their heads a lot, and that really affected me and my mother's relationship because it was all, like, just a bunch of, like, false accusations being pointed at each other, trying to pin our, like, trying to pin the kids, my siblings against each other, like, against our parents, I mean. And just a bunch of that. Like, yeah, choose a side. Yeah. You know, if me and your dad split up, where would where would you go? You know, he does yeah. this. Originally, him. all four of my siblings, all of us, me and my me and my brother and my two sisters stayed with my mom. And uh, me and my mom just started, like, not getting along because I'm the oldest. So, so you were kind of develop. you were understanding a little bit more of the bullshit she was kind of throwing out. I'm not, I'm yeah. not, not saying your I'm, mom yeah. was throwing out bullshit, but like parents, you know, yeah. they try and warp your mind, especially at a young age. You're so, you're basically like gel or not jello, but uh, Play-Doh, like you're, you're, you're molding. So yeah. they're, they're going to mold it to their views. So you agree with them more and then look at the other parent as the enemy. It's, 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 it's very common. It's not a right thing for a parent to do. Yeah. You know, you never want to talk shit on the other one, no matter how pissed you are, because that is that other person that gave you the kid that you have in front of you. Yeah. 
but it's hard to see it in that sense of view when usually you get so aggressive and yeah. you get put in a, what feels like a corner and you have to feel like that's your only way to really fight out. Now, like, when she was telling you this, were you just getting upset at the fact that she was telling you st- this stuff about your dad and wasn't, like... It, was, it wasn't more or less like she was... I don't know. I can't... I, I'm not the the most familiar with that. I was only, like, maybe, like, six or seven when they divorced. And I'm, you know, I'm 19 now. But, uh, yeah, when I ended up turning eight, I was just like, all right, I'm just... I'm done. I'm moving with Dad. I'm moving over. I'm moving up to Maryland. I'm staying here. Or staying there. You found this is a more comfortable home than... It was more or less, like, I felt more comfortable here, and I also didn't like the idea of my dad being alone. Oh, so you looked at him like he needed somebody. He, he definitely, there was, I you could tell it was killing my dad. Yeah, Only he had, being able to see any yeah. of his kids on holidays and stuff. That's ridiculous. That's, I mean, but that, was that where the depression kind of hit you because you couldn't see your siblings, you weren't in contact with your siblings anymore, it was getting a little bit difficult? Cause where, yeah, where at a young you, age, I never had, to, I didn't get my first cell phone until about like, maybe towards the end of middle school. That's a good thing though. Yeah. You don't want that power in your pocket. No. Especially but, now with how advanced they're getting, you're like, oh my God. Like every time you turn it on, it's an amber alert or some type of tornado yeah. warning, you're going to die in five minutes. But back in the day, it would seem like the thing we'd all just watch YouTube and dumb videos on. But, you know, I mean, it's it's a sense of responsibility and the fact that, you know, you had to, where'd you move from originally? Like what, from was, your mom? Uh, at the time, my uh, my mom, me and my siblings lived in, uh, in Reading, PA. Mm-hmm. The uh, the house we were living in, my dad actually like bought and paid for, but when they divorced, my dad said, "I'll move. You just stay here with the kids." And he moved out to like a apartment, but he couldn't afford to live in the apartment from paying like child support and a bunch of stuff. So he ended up having to move back here and living with my grandparents for like a couple months so he can get back on his feet. And that's when he got that job at uh, Pepsi for a little while. That should show you the first thing that if your mom would have said anything bad about your dad, you should have looked at that and been like, hey. Like, well, at the time. That's I, very responsible of someone to give the home and be like, I need you to stay here with the kids because it's better for them to not be moved and thrown into a, you know, all the way across half the country or not half yeah. the country, but a few states away. And it's like, when you look at that, I mean, that should have been your first draw to even go towards him. But I understand the hardness of leaving a sibling. As much as we fight and, you know, you yeah. always have your siblings back. And I think when you're talking about, like, that's where your depression kind of kicked in, is being distant from your close siblings like that. You're growing up with these kids, and you're especially being the oldest. You feel like the care provider of them. Like, you watch over them. Like, everyone knows about the big brother or older sibling that's, like, either very intimidating, always beat you up all the time. Like, I had one. And then, um, or one that's like your best friend, you're bonding constantly. I mean, me and my brother don't fight now, but it's like, you're always connected with your family no matter where you travel to. Yeah. And no matter if you guys talk one day or never talk at all, you guys still have that bond there. Even if you don't like your parents, they're still connected to you. They formed you. Yeah. So, is it was just the difficulty going through school knowing that your siblings were somewhere else or... It was more, like, it took me a while to, like, adjust to that, and, like I said, like, with this whole thing between, you know, with, like, just my siblings being pitted against my dad, my dad trying his best to connect, my mom, me and my mom not speaking, because we just weren't on good terms, and it just gave me a lot of, like, just anger all the time, so I had a very... It felt like, like you were isolated. I just, yeah, I just felt very, like, I just had a lot of, like, internal anger at all times. 
So I wasn't really that talkative. You know, my first day of fourth grade, I have no idea who any of these people are. Everyone, you know, wears in kindergarten together. But, like, so I still had, like, that anxiety of I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how, you know, I don't know if Maryland schools are different than PA schools. I So I had a bunch of anxiety. And I remember going to the bus stop, and that's when I met my now best friend because he was he lived down the road from my grandmother's house. And uh, I just remember he was waiting there. And then as soon as we just started talking, we just immediately became, like, really good friends. And we used to, like, like mess around and, like, race each other to see you can get to the bus stop first and, like, a bunch of other just dumb stuff. But he really, my, yeah, he really helped with, like, me trying to get the hang of... Kind of come out of your shell a little bit. Yeah. Well, I experienced, I didn't move as drastic as you did from another state, but I moved from a different school district because the school district I was in, they thought I was, like, mentally challenged because I had ADHD. So what they were trying to do is they put me in this, like, room that was basically, like, it felt like a mental room. Like, it was it had one window in it, walls were all white, just a desk and a piece of paper in front of me, and I'd just sit there for hours, and teacher would walk by look through the door make or window and make sure I was there and then just walk away. Like, I just left me there, and I'm sitting there tapping and trying to, like, there's no phones back then. It's the third grade at the time for me, so I was, like, six or seven. I'm sitting there tapping on everything, like, trying to get my ADHD out. You got me in a white room, man, nothing else going on, like, not even a book to read, and I'm just sitting there like I can't stand still. And eventually, I, like, I'm not going to school anymore. I, like, locked myself in the bathroom, and... Then eventually, like, my, that's when my parents realized, like, okay, there's actually a seriously problem here. Like, you have to realize, I mean, that's not their fault for that happening. You don't realize if a kid's throwing a temper tantrum or if a kid's actually seriously having a problem. Like, the fact that we can diagnose a kid for having ADHD at such a young age, is that kid have ADHD or is he being a kid? Like, it's really hard to define unless, you, it's really better to classify someone with a disorder once they become older and they're able to tell that kid has depression. It's so hard to say that. How do you, how do, he's five years old. How does he know what depression is? He might have a form of it. He might have already started hearing voices, but to be truly 100% sure, you have to make sure that they're old enough to have logical thinking as well. Yeah. You don't want, that's the same reason we have a old, we have an age limit on driving. We have an age limit on, you know, drinking. It's the type of thing they want to wait till your brain's a little bit more developed before you start even tempting into those things. Well, when I switched school districts, it was only like two school districts over. And um, it was it was going from Shaw to Buckingham, and then so like it was like that. It was like apparently like it's still in Berlin. So like I still saw all my friends, but I was coming to a new school with people I never even knew existed because I was so young. I was like I never knew about these people. Who's these people? So it felt like moving to another state. For me. <coughs> and all the kids, like you were saying, they all grew up together in kindergarten and had all these classes. They all knew each other's names, families, all that. And I'm sitting there just like nervous. And then I got introduced to this person that became my best friend and my best childhood friend, like just skateboarding all around town, Berlin, eating those uh, airhead strips, the sour candy <laughs> things, yeah. and a bag of hot fries at that DVD rental place in Berlin, just sitting on the curb, you know? And, like, this kid was wearing completely all-black clothing, spiky gothic hair. It was bad hair day or something at school, which was, like, the worst day to come in on. It's like wearing pajamas or something on the first day. And I'm sitting there, like, I don't know what's going on. I look, like, all dressed up nice so I can impress somebody. And then this kid, like, just standing in the back. And then this teacher, who's on my podcast and was telling me, the one I told that put eraser caps on my pencils so I could drum on the desk with my ADHD. And... Just introduced me to this kid, like, you're going to get along with this guy. Like, you guys are going to be best friends. And I'm like, he's nothing like me, like, at all. 
Next thing I know, he's into Skyrim, Oblivion, all these games that like old t school games. I'm like, oh my god, we have so much in common. You like skateboarding? I like skateboarding. And I swear, I spent more time over at his house than I did at my own house, man. It's those moments you have. Like, people that you don't think you could have anything in common with, you might have the most in common with. And it seems like it's the people, like, you wouldn't even think of, man. Like, your best friend can be someone that you've never talked to, never think would be your best friend, and they end up turning out to be someone that impacts your life heavily. And I started to take that now, as I look back on it, in my everyday life. You start walking around and looking at people that you find on the street, if you just change your perspective on people, man, it changes everything. The whole world will start to look better. And it's something that a lot of kids like that get depression at such a young age, it's really hard to because to overcome that, first of all, is a very difficult thing. Probably what your brother is experiencing right now with his diagnosed depression and all this type of stuff and hearing voices, imagine a constant thing telling you you're not good. Imagine a constant thing telling you just to end it all now. A lot of kids feel like that and they don't understand what it is and a lot of kids like go through school and on top of that being bullied I mean we've all I, I've experienced bullying you've probably experienced bullying yeah. it's not it's not fun but do you look at that as a kid that's got just an angry kid or do you look at that as a kid that might be lost his way as well um. it definitely takes a strong amount of courage and like kind of strength to say that kid that bullied me all those times and made me fear for my life and feel like I wasn't going to live on anymore just because I was so scared and didn't want to get out of bed you know made you so miserable it's hard to look at them in that light but when you're older you have to really take in that perspective because you know a lot of times those guys will come out later and apologize they were just stupid kids at the time and parents see this but it's so hard to see that when you're the child dealing with it yeah so, like, you, I remember you were talking about how you were really into drawing and, like, doing these sketches and stuff, and someone threw your notebook away and you just gave up on it. What is your whole idea that you feel like people just give up on their dreams because it's it's easier to give up when someone tells you that you can't do it? Um, that was a loaded uh, question, so... Yeah, what do, you, uh, what do you mean by like, that? Like, if I, if, I, if I took your notebook... And you wanted to be a drawer, and I threw it away and said, you're not going to be a drawer fag or something that, you know, gets <laughs> offensive. And then you just gave up. What, 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 do you look at that now and see that as the right thing to do? No. Uh, pretty much, uh, pretty much my, what I've come to terms with, like, through middle school, I was always, or, like, through, like, elementary school and middle school, I was always, like, critical, like, what do people think of me, like, I want everyone to like me. I want anyone, everyone and everyone to like me. So any criticism I take into account and try to, like, go up with it. So if someone was like, you're drawing stock. So I was like, maybe I just won't draw when I'm near this person. Yeah, and then doing draw in secret? Yeah, secret drawings. Just not in, just, just in a, like, just in a different class or something. That's, that sucks, though, because if you have that certain passion, you don't want to, you shouldn't have to hide it. I mean, I'm jealous of those kids that ran, like, ninjas down the hallway and did all this crazy stuff. I've hit up a couple of them to do my podcast. Like, why do you want me on your podcast? I'm like, dude, you're interesting. They're like, are you just going to make fun of me? I'm like, no. Like, I'm not like that. And, you know, I'm not that, I understand that that's how it was in high school probably for you. There are people that were making fun of you for doing what you did. But I was jealous of that guy because, honestly, they had the best, um, intentions they literally did not give a fuck they had it they yeah. literally were the original i don't give a fucks and that that's i feel like we need to be like that more in society today because 
everyone is walking around today caring about what the other fucking person thinks. Right now, you're judging me about how I look. Right now, I'm judging you about how you look. It might be slight. You might not even really dwell on it, but it's there. We're constantly judging each other. The whole idea of we're always constantly comparing what one person has to another person has, what one person looks like to another person looks like, what another person thinks to another person thinks. Which it's, it's hell. That's what the podcast is. We're comparing thoughts here. Yeah. I'm just trying to get your perspective as well. I'm not judging it, but I want to. I want to hear your inner thoughts on all this stuff. I mean, when you start to realize this, it can feel like a lot to consume. Yeah. I mean. Uh, a good way of thinking about it is something my dad always told me when I was growing up was that um, you don't want to go and search for everyone's approval because you won't ever get everyone's approval. So he just said if someone just doesn't like he said, for example, because uh, growing up in like fifth grade, I, learned, I started learning to play violin and I played it through uh, throughout middle school to high school. And just throughout all of that, I've always gotten jokes about it. Just because I play, you know, violin, I don't play like a trumpet or a saxophone. I just it's not play... seen as like a badass musical. Instrument. No, it's seen like as a, a string. Yeah, you seen as a string instrument, which is, um, not many people play it because it's a hard instrument to learn. It takes talent. Well, you got to think. <clears throat> when I look at a symphony and I see the violin, people all beside each other going like swiping like this and stuff, I get scared that one of them's gonna slip and slice the other person's like neck or something. I don't know if that's you, or you ever had that fear you might get jabbed in the uh, eye by somebody's... No, usually, by the way, uh, before concerts start and stuff, the violinists will always... Like, the people that sit next to each other will always sit and check beforehand, so that way they're not, when they're playing, like if they get to a fast part, they're not stabbing someone, because usually how seats are... If you sit them like, like this, like right next to each other, the bow's going to hit someone. But if you sit them angle inwards, it's going to go... The most, it's going to go over their shoulder. While they're playing, so you're leaning this way playing, so it it won't ever touch you. I'd be you. so freaking nervous, it's gonna slice my jugular open. Next thing you know, my grandma's got it, on videotape me falling off the front of the stage into like Mr. Mundrick or something. It's you know, I mean, it's cool though. That's that's pretty cool. You took that skill because I just picked up the drums, and next thing I know, it was the craft cymbals, and the next thing I know, it was the damn sly whistle. It was like. I was going all around the percussion scene, and I was like, well, my family has a history of music. Like, everyone in my family plays music. I'm the yeah, only one that... that's the same with my family. My dad played uh, played violin for, like, a year or two. Didn't really like it, but he played guitar. My uncle played saxophone and bass. My grandmother played piano. Well, like, my whole family now, they're all still in the music. Like, my mom plays guitars and sings. My dad plays drums and sings a little bit. My brother is in his own band. Like, everyone's in their own band still now and playing now. And, like, we don't have that click. I never clicked with my mom over that because she was into music and could click with my brother more. My dad was into camping but also liked playing music. But, you know, I had ADHD, so the easiest thing for me to learn was drums. The easiest thing for me to hop on was something I could just beat the crap out of and, you know, not have to worry about it sounding really good. I just have to, you know, just have fun with it and try and make my own stuff with it. And then as I started getting older, I started finding my own, like, ways of gaming and all that kind of yeah. hopped into the scene and then just kind of taking a whole new road, really, when I got into, like, when I got out of high school by finding the gym and then kind of taking that seriously. And then it, it just seems like, I don't know, I'm trying to find my pieces that fit. And I think that's, you can, you can take that with a lot of people. Everyone's just trying to see where they fit in the world, like a little puzzle piece. Yeah. And um, if that's what, if, if you said your passion was music, what is it now, though, if it's changed? Um, what do you wish to see yourself doing? I really couldn't tell you. 
to be completely honest. You just, you're still kind of searching for it. So I'm still kind of in that gray area of not really knowing what I enjoy doing and what I really want to do. Well, what kind of interests are you interested in? Uh, I mean, uh, on one hand, I'm a really, just, you know, I'm a huge, like, video game nerd. I play a lot of video games. I do a lot of They're stuff escape like from reality, man. Yeah, I know. Nothing's better than going into Grand Theft Auto, robbing a chicken store, and then going somewhere else and just riding <laughs> off and then, like, spawning, cheat code spawning hookers everywhere. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perception to life that I feel like a lot of people, that's the escape that video games do. A lot of people talk shit on video games. Like, you're a nerd if you're playing them. I'm like... Honestly, if you just slip into one of those little things, it's like an escape from a reality, which you kind of have to do in a way, much like TV is. I mean, yeah. when you watch your favorite show, you're slipping back into a world. I get fascinated by conspiracy theories recently. Uh, you, are you into conspiracies at all? I watch a lot of like the History Channel, so there are some like conspiracy Okay, conspiracy. That's a hard one. Yeah, say that yeah. three times fast. Apparently, I can't just say it at up. all. Conspiracy no. theory. <laughs> But like the whole the whole idea. First of all, there's a bunch of government programs and a bunch of shady, shady, shady shit. So on top of people that you have to worry about being assholes in the world, and you kind of got to look at that differently. Imagine thinking of the government that's set out to help you is now fucking you. Yeah. So do you know about any secret government projects, bro? Um, I feel like that subject could probably be good with... Some of the other boys here to discuss that too. Oh, dude, Chris goes off on some space stuff, and then he likes to, he likes to talk about dreaming. I don't understand. He likes because uh, Chris can sleep. Chris sleeps with his eyes open. I don't know yeah, if you know that. I've seen that. It That's nuts, the dude. Shit out of me. Like I'm like, yo, yo, yo. He's like, what? I'm like, are you just sleeping? He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? But you know, they all get into something. I find. When I started doing, I did a spinoff series called Fill in the Blank. I'll get you on, too. But it's about getting different topics per now. And this is something you actually might be better at, just because I have a range of topics, from when the sandwich was created to cornflakes being linked to masturbation. Like, the whole idea it was created was a cereal that was so bland, you would, it would lose your passions. It would decrease passion, so you wouldn't want to masturbate. You wouldn't want to touch yourself. And then if you add sugar to it, it raises it. Same thing with the graham cracker. That's what happened with that. You know, uh, the sandwich was invented over a guy that was having a gambling addiction. He didn't want to get it from the table in the middle of a gambling game, so he decided to make a sandwich. Like, that's ridiculous to think of. And the place is called Earl of Sandwich. That's the name in England. And it's like, you hear all this stuff, and then you hear about the government projects, like MK Ultra and all these different types of stuff the government does. And it makes you really kind of focus on, like... With all the problems we have to worry about in this world and then knowing that the government is doing stuff behind your back and under your noses, it creates a sense of mystery. This is why I think conspiracy theories are fun to kind of hop on. Obviously, you want to hop on the train because then you'll end up going batshit nuts wrapping tinfoil around your head. <laughs> the, just like the whole idea, we want we want there to be a culprit to things. Much like we want with religion, we want there to be something that has more power than us. It's hard to think when that power is what is known as the United States government. Or what is known as the government in general, like a, a force that's meant to, that's publicized to protect you, doing secretly bad stuff to you or other people. And it's it's it takes really into the account of how we need to kind of treat each other. I mean, I don't know really too much about like you know stuff that happens in other countries, and that's just because it's not popularized here. I believe that you know. The best thing for someone to do is get a look through someone else's eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, we all have different 
outlets and talents we can perform. And it's, it's you know, just meeting you. I mean, I, I met you the other night. I had no idea who you were at first. You just, you know, you came into my house with Chris, and I was like, who's this guy? But you're a great dude. I can obviously tell you're a positive person. You have a lot of, obviously, you have a lot of potential to do stuff into your life. So I'm, I'm, I'm just curious as what's that what's what you got deep down in there that i'm sitting here trying to dig out like i feel like i'm trying to crack into a fortune cookie <laughs> yeah i'm a very like uh like i like i said the other po- the first podcast you had me on where i talked about my depression and stuff it took me a long time to actually start talking about it like like i said like my best friend i've been best friends with for yeah. 12 years and i only just told him about oh, i've come close to committing suicide or committing self harm how did you come close? Uh, like, meaning I was, like, on the verge of, like, doing it. I was on the verge of, like, actually committing suicide is what I was trying to say. Did you have a plan? Because uh, I know a lot of people sometimes they go, like, with, like, a plan and something happens. And they choose that to be, like, the God intervening or something to stop them from committing um, this horrible act. It was going to be, I think it was, yeah, it was here. I have a scar, yeah, right here, on my palm, that was going to come across. Why would you do it that way? Because, I don't know. This seemed like like the simplest one. Yeah. Have you seen the people that try to hold their breath? That one's dumb. You just pass out. Yeah, you're you're like, (gasps) I'll try again. Yeah, you just knock yourself out out of lack of oxygen. You don't kill yourself. Have you seen uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. Where Frank tries to hang himself from the ceiling fan? Yeah, and he just falls over. He cracks the whole ceiling fan because his neck's too fat. It won't choke him out. You know, it's 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 not to make light of the situation, but yeah. if you've become, like, if you've taken the step to, first of all, being open about it, which I very, very appreciate, dude. Like, just leveling that out there. Um, being open to people about that, do you feel like you could possibly, you can help somebody that's listening to this, that's going to hear it and be like, okay, so I'm not the only one in this world that thinks these deep, dark thoughts. I think that's the main thing for people with depression to understand. There are people like you that have similar things. It might not be everyone. Like if I have depression or someone else has depression and I sit there and tell them, just go do, just get outside, go outside, like go, go, go out and experience the world. Like you're like, it's not that simple. Well, it's the same thing as saying it's all in your head because that's where it, it all is or- in your head. It's it, like, that's where it originates. So of course it's in your head. My brother you can't just about, say it's all in your head and just say, get over it. Yeah. That's my brother says that about my ADHD because it's in your head. I'm like, that's the fucking problem, man. It's my brain that has too much energy where I can't sleep. And it's like, there becomes days where I'm just like, I feel like I'm manic, where I'm just like not able to do anything but go out and just try and burn off stuff. It's like, what's the point? You know, it gets, it gets, after four days of not sleeping, you're just like, all right, somebody just throw a brick at my head, please. You know, but it's, it's difficult because we don't understand anything about the human mind. It's fascinating, but it's scary as shit. Yeah. It's like space. You know, it's space or the ocean. Like, we have, there's just so many things we are yet to understand in this world, and people are the biggest mystery of all. We literally live on this thing with all these countless numbers of people that are just like us, that have different emotions, different feelings, different sensitivities. You know, some people love the feeling of pain. Sometimes their pain sensors are mixed up to where if they put their hand on a stove, it feels good to them, it does not hurt them. And then it's weird to think that someone's wires can be crossed. But in that way, it makes us all very, very special. Because 
you might have a passion in something that someone else doesn't have. I don't want to be a fucking teacher. I'm not smart enough to be a teacher. I, I wouldn't. I would not be able to teach a new group of kids every single year, just like a whole <laughs> new group. As soon as I get these kids taught, all right, and I bonded with all these kids, I'm getting a whole nother group. I'd be like, motherfucker, I gotta relearn and teach all these kids and figure out which ones go where. It's like for anyone to even, first of all, be a teacher, to invest the time into each individual student and know that student's going to leave like in a couple months and then go on to another grade and you're going to do it to another kid and then doing that after years and years and years. It, the, the passion you must have for it has to keep you going because there's nothing at that point. I don't see any amount of money that would I would take for that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just really... It's honestly just dependent on the person. Like You can tell some teachers that are doing it for the students... So the ones that are always, like, trying to make the best out of a situation, like, I had a, like, a history, I had a history teacher. He was one of, like, the best history teachers I've ever had because no matter what, like, even if it was a boring subject we're trying to learn, he would just, like, try to crack jokes even if they weren't funny just to try to, like, lighten the mood. Or if people are coming in, he's like, all right, take a class, we're learning about this. Some people are like, oh, great, we're listening to this. And he goes, oh, I know, it sucks, but we got to do it. <laughs> yeah, when they, when they crack a joke with it and they make it easy, like, it makes it, like, relevant to you you know what i mean yeah like if they first of all make it an experience i remember i had i have one history teacher at the vocational school i don't know if you ever went to that but um, oh like votech yeah votech. Yeah, yeah i went there and um mr bevelacqua you remember him i do not he's know a, him. he looked like fucking brad pitt man that dude was handsome as hell i hope he's listening to this or hearing <laughs> that. but um he made it cool like we came back after new year um, so it was like the first day of school into the new year, and then there's a giant, giant packet of like 800 papers and stapled to our desk. I'm like, what? And he's like, this is what we're going to be doing for the rest of the semester. Every day we're just going to work on a couple pages. And he like made it sound really bland. I was like, damn, this sucks. And next thing I know, he goes, I want you to take the first piece of paper and rip it off and crumble it into a ball in your desk. I'm like, okay. Next thing you know, we're like 100 pages in. There's like 100 of these little crumbled up pieces of paper on our desk in like the shape of little like circles. And he just goes, now, look at the class or look at the student in front of you because we had desks on one side and desks on the other side so they're facing each other. And he goes, now fight! And he goes, everyone just starts getting behind the desk and throwing these paper balls. We had no idea what was going on. We did this for like 30 minutes. And he goes, you guys just experienced the trench war. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that whole idea, we all came into class, immediately our 100% mood went all the way down to 10% because we got this giant packet. And then it shot right back up. And then we started actually getting into the subject he actually started teaching us about. And the fact that he could do that, and then uh, we did something about the Industrial Revolution. He showed up like an old English person, put Smarties in his teeth. And this is like ninth grade, so it's like high school. So you're like, why is he acting like a third grade teacher? But he puts these Smarties in his teeth, and he grabs a giant ruler and starts slapping desks. And he starts talking and yelling at you, and the Smarties are falling out of his mouth and stuff. It was funny, man. Like... It was just, it, uh, and then he had a student aide that was learning this as well. I was like, this is perfect because that guy, like the student aides or the people that become teachers that are, end up being boring had to be just like their influence. So if you have a bunch of teachers that have this type of passion for teaching and like able to make it fun for the students to understand, which makes learning easier, it, it you know, for someone like me that can't sit in a environment like that, be able to express myself in that type of way was so much fun. And, uh, you know, it creates the next best teacher and creates the next best teacher and creates the next best teacher. And it's, 
it's a chain reaction. So if we did these types of things in modern day life, where could we see possible change, man? I'm all about change. I know tonight especially because it's like, you know, I, I, for today and yesterday, I experienced like some rough situations, man. It's like it's hard to see like not rough situations in my own life, but other stuff like in other people's lives. I'm starting to see more people struggle. And it's like, I just want to sit there and be like, it's going to be all right. You know what I mean? Like. I, I've witnessed too many times just tonight, like, people running into the store, like, can you hurry up? Like, you know, can we open up another line? Like, are you in that much of a hurry to get home and then stuff your face and then what, go to sleep? Like, <laughs> I understand you might be tired, but, you know, these people are working here and they probably got to work another shift. Like, what are you? what has that person got going on in their life where you feel like you could impact them? Not to, you know, dwell too much on other people. I do want to kind of focus this on the conversation between yeah. me and you. But it's just, it, it's difficult to think, man, when you look at life and stuff. But where do you find goodness in it? Like, what, what's what's your happy zone? Playing video games? Um, pretty much that. Yeah, go ahead. But, um, but there's, I mean, I mean, because... Chris knows. I don't know if he's talked about it on the podcast that he plays drums and stuff. I think he mentioned it on the last podcast. A little bit. He's mostly told me about computer stuff. Well, yeah, he's an IT, but uh, he really likes just playing drums. He's really into rock music as he tries to throw at me every time we hang out. The Cobain uh, series. Yeah, pretty much. Giant. Nirvana. Like Nirvana. His freaking Kurt Cobain sunglasses and he walks around everywhere (laughs) thinking he's baller. But, But, yeah, like I've played music with him and my best friend. My best friend plays bass. So, like, we would just, like, not actually make anything sound good because, uh, like, on top of, uh, Just shoot the shit, basically, with your instruments? Uh, yeah, basically, you know, like, to put myself on a pedestal real quick because I started learning violin. When I went to college, I I learned the basics of piano because it was required for a starting music teacher. But I also ended up picking up cello. Damn. So that was three instruments, and then when I came home, my best friend ma- built me a ukulele. No and way! He built me one because he had a guitar building class. So he built himself a guitar, and then I gave him money, and he built me a ukulele. And then I also had a guitar, which was, I think, like one of my grandmother's old guitars. So I just have one of those. So I've been learning to play ukulele and guitar that I have at home. What um what what's your most interested um like music instrument you find that you pick up? Like, which one's your favorite one out of all the ones you played? My favorite one? Out of the instruments that I kind of know how to play... I mean, I played violin the longest, so I have the most understanding with that instrument. But I I love the way the cello sounds. I love how upbeat you can make any song is with just a ukulele. I like this... I don't know. I really don't... I think probably my favorite would probably be closer to, like, the cello or the ukulele. Because because of the cello, you can make these these long, uh, elegant notes are this, like, upbeat sound, whereas ukulele is just such an instant sound that you can do pretty much whatever you want with it. I feel like too many people go for the mainstream instruments like I did, man. It's like, it's hard to look anywhere in this, like, at least where we're at right now. People are always kind of looking down at, um, other things, like, you know, like, they're like, oh, he plays guitar, you know, that's the coolest thing. It's the coolest instrument, mainstream. You know, he plays guitar, he the guitar and sings, like, it's all about your area, but honestly, I think it's pretty badass that someone could take the time to learn such a, first of all, a very, very sophisticated instrument like a cello or a violin. That shit takes a lot of talent compared to just strumming a guitar. Don't get me wrong, a guitar is difficult, and it definitely takes a little bit more of a process to understand, 
But when you're playing something as sophisticated as a, a symphony instrument or something of that, there's certain people that just have that time and patience too. I couldn't do it. I was only good at playing the damn sly whistle because I would have just walk around and play the freaking or the triangle, dude. I rocked the shit out of a damn triangle, man. <laughs> Teacher's like, you're not supposed to play yet. I'm like, ding, ding. It's my solo. This is my moment. Uh, just hit that motherfucker. But you got you got to think like. You know, it's 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 how you find your fun in the instrument. Even if you suck at it, man, I'll play the shit out of an instrument, dude. It's just like, it depends on what I want to do. If it pisses people off, hell, it's fun to me. I'm sorry if it pisses yeah. people off. Yeah, and like, off. the other thing that always discourages people from trying to learn, like, like, guitar, I, not to say guitar isn't an easy, guitar is definitely a hard instrument to learn, but guitars have frets, so you know where to place your fingers. Cellos, violas, basses and violins have no frets you have to memorize where your fingers go and ear tune as you play to know your correct finger placements because putting a finger here like putting a finger in one spot and moving it slightly up changes the note completely damn dude so having a note here like i'm just i'm just gesturing on my finger but like putting your finger on like your second knuckle of your middle finger is one note and sliding your finger ever so slightly forward flattens the note that makes it that makes it more appreciative when you look at someone trying to clip, like re, like recreate a work or something or trying to play a song off of like a, a important composer or something. You know what I mean? Like listen to someone trying to create Mozart or trying to create something that was like a symphony, and you go there and you just totally ignore it because it's not our generation's popular music. Like it makes you really reconsider the whole thing. I watched a symphony video and I was laughing so hard because the bassoon player. And a lot of the guys were like blowing so hard into their instrument and you realize that the skill it takes and the talent it takes and um, the effort it takes, first of all. But his face was turning red and I'm just in the back and like my, it, the whole class is quiet watching it, kind of like looking down at their phones, not really paying attention. I'm like, yo, that dude's going to pass out. Yo, and I'm like, seriously, like, I'm like a little bit worried about the guy. But I was like, at the same time, they start going, showing the violinist playing, they're all in order perfectly synced together like it just in harmony that takes a lot of practice too and being I'm, able to keep yourself synced together with your uh, stand partner which is like always the person if we both tried to talk at the same time like you say the exact same words at the exact same time or in a movie when you see them shut the doors at the exact same time it takes more than one take to do that it takes freaking practice to try and get that to happen but like when it comes together, it's small stuff you don't even notice about how difficult it really is. And especially when you're in a in, like you're in a performance and you're synced up with everyone else. If someone starts too early, you got to make sure you can kind of catch up or skip a note to be able to catch to where they're at. Yeah. Because they might not notice it themselves. It seems like a lot of time in a performance, you're the only one that really notices how bad you mess up sometimes. Like a lot, like a lot of times, I performed like with my brother's band live at a couple bars and stuff, and I could tell when I messed up, but the audience couldn't. The audience still sounded good, but when I'm sitting up there playing and I'm scared shitless, like I need to piss my pants right fucking now. I've just never been good in front of crowds. Yeah. But then I got over that when I took like speech class and I was able to kind of open up. I like to throw humor into things. Music is not my outlet. I feel like to, for me to learn an instrument, I have to be told what to do, what notes to hit, and then I just memorize what notes to hit. When you 
like I would never be able to play violin. That's just too complicated because knowing that my fingers had to be placed in a certain spot and not like a guitar where it just has to be in that area. But knowing that if a violin, if I go slightly up to the left or slightly down or something, it changes the whole key, then I fuck everyone else up. I couldn't have that relying on my shoulders. So really what you just did was for me and anybody listening to give appreciation to the art of symphony or orchestra in general. Yeah. And the fact that you can pick up this instrument is really like interesting because, you know, a lot of people don't go towards that instrument as their first instrument or something. Yeah, you can also tell that I have really big fingers, which makes it a lot more difficult to play. Whereas someone with thin, thinner, like slender fingers are easier because some of the notes are like right like that. So in order for some of the notes are like right on top of each other. So in order for me to do it, I have to either pinch my fingers together really tightly or slide my finger my one my previous finger back in order to get to the note did your uh, music teacher ever think it was weird that you were like into a violin just because of your size um i mean when i started in middle school i was i was small for when you look at someone that plays violin they're all like really like the guys look like they're on drugs like heroin or something they're so skinned and they're always yeah because they're usually always so thin and their fingers are always so like usually they're long or they're very just thin on their own. Like, I'm not making fun of your size or anything. I'm no. saying you're a bigger guy. So it's like when someone, you go, I play violin. Someone would look at you and be like, you obviously play percussion or something where you have to carry something, a big drum or something. That's how I looked at too, even though I'm not a very big guy. But, you know, I, it was just the whole idea. Like, he obviously doesn't have the mindset to play violin. That's something that's like not there for him he's too all over the place he needs to be spastic with like a drum set in front of him that's how they looked at me and when they looked at you i mean the fact that you even took the time to do that did you just do it because your dad played violin you felt like that's something you could i learn? didn't know until after i picked the instrument oh, I, so didn't, you know, I didn't i never knew my dad played your dad probably was like yo you know i used to be a violinist You're yeah like, what yeah because it was like a music class and it was like if you want to learn an instrument just pick one off a list and i was just i looked through them i don't know i just like i just saw violin i was like that one I just clicked. I just checked it off. That's like me with the slide whistle. I was like, "Where's the damn slide whistle and the triangle?" They go, oh, "Those are like side instruments. You know, you have to play another main instrument." I'm like, "Why are they side instruments? You give me that triangle, I will go ham, bruh." <laughs> and then eventually, I got the crash cymbals, and that was like, remember, I did the Star Spangled Banner. I completely fucked it up. I had one part to come in. And then again, to come in later like five more times. I was crashing every single second I got. I have a video of it, man. It's me in the background, like, and the band is just like, stop, stop. I'm like, just fucking going. You know, it was fun, man. You got to take that. You know, someone, it wasn't I was making fun of the anthem. It was like I was having my moment, like my fun, you know. And especially when you're doing a solo performance, you're getting up there and trying to perform something. Have you ever done that before? A solo performance? Yeah, yeah, I've done one. I've done one where uh, me and my dad actually wrote a song, and I what? My te- yeah, no, when I was in sixth grade, uh, me and my dad wrote a song. I think we called we called it uh, Two Strings, because it was me playing two strings at the same time, and I just thought the sound the sound it sounded really cool because it's it's basically the same thing as what fiddlers do. Yeah, how you always hear how they play like two separate two strings at the same time. So that's something I learned. Do you ever um, find now that you would like to kind of write a little bit more music with your dad? Like kind of sit down and have the time to do it? Um, my dad's pretty much lost like most of his music touch. He hasn't touched the guitar in several years because he had to sell his guitar in order to uh, pay rent for stuff. And yeah, 
So he hasn't really done much with music. Have you? Maybe you should try and get him back into it. You know, maybe that's something you guys can kind of bond over. He's pretty much like dead set on enjoying me playing and giving me. That's good though that he's very supportive in that because like one giant influence for me was like my family coming to my soccer games when I was playing and my dad used to stand behind the goal and the coach was like you can't do that he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer on my son because I was a goalie so I used to you know I, it was the easiest thing for me because I run and grab I remember one time I got my finger kicked in so hard I got kicked in the nuts dude. I got kicked so far. They step on the goalie's hands. They don't give a shit. But, like, him behind the goal telling me, ball's coming to the left, so you got to make sure you get on that. And then, like, he's going to fake right or he's going to try, you know? Those types of things, like, you felt like you're, it was like a, a positive voice in your head, like, giving you the secrets. And it was like, he wasn't trying to cheat or anything. He was just trying to make sure that I understood, like, how, how what's going to happen. Just watch his feet. Watch his feet. Don't watch his hips. Watch his feet. And, like, he's doing this trick stuff with his feet. And the next thing you know, he goes to kick to the left and then fakes it to the right. I caught that shit. And it was, like, the whole idea he was telling me, don't be scared when it comes at you. Don't be scared. Like, it's going to fly at you pretty fast, obviously. You know, you're not a kid anymore. You're, like, 15, 16. This is, like, you guys are starting to realize what your strength is. And then I was, I couldn't kick the ball if it was on the ground for shit. But I could drop kick. All the way across the field, dude. I don't know what it was. I remember my shoe would always fly off, too. My dad's like, just tie your damn shoes. I'm like, I don't know how to tie my shoes, man. <laughs> but it was, it's just crazy. Because when you have a parent that's supportive, it's like when we go back to having a teacher that's supportive. You need that. Because it will bolster you in the future to do bigger and better things, man. And I definitely see you pursuing something down the road, dude. Something bigger in the music path, man. You just, I feel like I definitely have to hang out with you more and get more of a... It, like an interest in what your interests are because you you probably have a, a shit ton of stuff that you're interested in anything specific like baseball or you know I'm not uh, entirely huge like sports I used to play a lot when I was little but I now I have like I don't really I can't really do sports because I have bad uh, ankles but uh, like anything dude you could, what's your freaking or are you interested about dinosaurs I have a friend <laughs> that's interested about 19th century Victorian surgery i'm just i'm wow that's yeah that's like it's specific as hell yeah but i got interested in it like i print out articles on it. i find if someone's interested in something like i have i've interviewed someone that's a transgender for my podcast and he actually works at the casino he works on um, his name's dakota and you know he he taught me everything about transgender that i used to make fun of or just not take seriously because of the whole being able to switch your gender or whatever you want to do. And he's like, no, I literally... F and he explained it to me in a better way. And I find if you explain things to people in a better way, that's how you can really narrow it down. And I've decided instead of doing that on this podcast, where this one's like a story and I'm listening to your experiences as well as you can ask me stuff about me, if you do fill in the blank or what my spinoff series is where it narrows in on a topic, you educate people on something they might not know a lot about. I freaking brought up to Evan the whole idea of the Slurpee like being created by 7-Eleven but also an operation that goes on nowadays called Operation Chill and police departments where they give out free Slurpees for kids to stop committing crimes and to get them off the streets. 7-Eleven does that. The whole Slurpee company. Yeah. And then also Operation Cherry Night Blossom where before the uh, Japan gave up at, or at Pearl Harbor and all that bombing stuff they were going to bomb us with 150 million ticks infected with all these bubonic plague and HIV infested bugs. And that would have happened. That would have changed the face of the earth. 
And it's like you start uncovering stuff if you just start looking down deeper into the rabbit hole. Obviously, don't let it consume you. You know, step outside and realize there's a fucking world out here still. But, you know, just taking the light some of the things that might interest you. So that's definitely what something I'm giving you as a task to do. It's basically your homework. Send me some topics you're interested in. It could be anything from food to sports to whatever. I'm, real, I'm pretty much just like a huge history buff. Dude, like, I love anything it. like history or like mythological and all that stuff. Yo, we got some stuff we can talk about. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, man. What type of history are you really focused on? Modern day or just old school? Like, just I'm into history Greek mythology, in so. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm just into just history in general. Just like a lot of just myths, legends. Pretty much like all of it. Dude, I got an article on the Yeti that'll blow your mind. <laughs> well, dude, I appreciate you, first of all, coming down literally at the drop of a hat. Like, we're both in PJs right now, like podcasts. Yeah, I was, I was chilling, playing some uh, the new Mortal Kombat, and you texted me. I was like, yeah, yeah let me finish this fight. And then Did you see my new poster of the Mortal Kombat? I got Scorpion from GameStop, the one they hung in the window. Yeah, I got yeah, that yeah. one, dude. That's yeah, dope. I saw, I thought... I didn't see it yet, but I, 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 I do know which one you're talking about because I see it up at uh, the GameStop, yeah. Oh, it was up there. It was. Not anymore. <laughs> no, okay, so is that your favorite type of game is fighting games? Because I cannot play Call of Duty for shit. I can play zombies, but I cannot play normal Call of Duty. Um, I play a lot. I play a huge variety of games. Like, Smite is one of like my big games I play, which is like League of Legends, but with the mythological guy, like the Greek god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, like, just all the gods. So like Greek, Norse, Hindu, all like all the old gods that like do that, and all the new ones they add and stuff. Isn't it cool how you can look at those Greek gods or any of those types of gods and see that like they all have very similar things? They're just different cultured. Yeah, like but the they're, they're all unique in their own ways, and they have like I've gone in through and read most of them. Like they have a hundred, I think they have like hundred and two gods out now that you can play as. Dude, do you actually research the actual? They have, like, their whole lore thing, like, on Yo, the individual Yo, we are gonna podcast on freaking Loki, Prometheus, all these motherfuckers I know about. Prometheus dude. isn't uh, a character. He's a titan. Yeah, because you can't, uh, they have to make him, like, within reason that you can play him. So they do it based off of, like, gods and stuff. So one of the characters they added, like, Loki's been a part of the game. Yeah. But, Thor. Like, a char- Thor's a part of it, Odin, the Morrigan is a character. What about Zeus. Zeus is, yeah, Zeus is in Poseidon. That. Poseidon, Hades. That sounds big. Hercules is in it. Achilles is in it. There's Merlin. demigods, though. They're not even gods. They're, they're still gods. Because they ran out of, like, any of the, the base pantheon. So they have to go into the uh, the demigod era. Damn, dude. They have Hercu- is... Yeah, like Hercules, Achilles. That's they, free for they, Xbox. They even, they, yeah, it's a free play. Oh, shit, dude. I'm about to go download that, too. You know, it's, it's crazy because if you look at, like, cultures and actually the actual folklore behind this stuff, it's it's a rabbit hole that, like, you look at it, you're like, how could someone think that? I mean, but in ancient Korean cultures, they think that a, the world is floating on the back of a giant turtle. Oh, yeah, the, a giant uh, lion turtle. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's what they based Avatar on. The giant, great giant, the, the great lion turtles of the four elements. It's crazy how I think someone's imagination can go into that. Well, that's what it was also, that's what, uh, I mean, I think, I'm pretty sure that was just based off a lot of Chinese mythology. Look, bro, the earth is flat, <laughs> okay? If we go to a certain one side, you just fall off. 
But, you know, dude, I appreciate, like I said, you coming down in your PJs and being <laughs> on the podcast, man. It was, it was definitely cool as shit learning a little bit more about you. And I'm going to actually do a little bit more research and probably print out some articles for you to do some of the fill in the blanks because it seems like nobody's interested in all the folklore I'm interested in. I'm interested in learning about, like, the, talking about the gods and stuff. But, you know, Chris is, like, technology and everyone's like, I don't really want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about this. I'm like, all right, well, I'm here to learn what you're interested in because what I find out what interests me is what people talk about and what they're interested in and I'm glad you could actually take the time to be do this episode we get our little Gabe Jarman podcast yeah out there the little intro podcast well um we'll definitely have you on again soon and I guess you're probably gonna end up doing another episode of Revenge of the Geeks with us when we yeah that was it down. was fun doing it it's a lot but... funner when Chris is sober and, and Chris Evan's is sober not and Evan's not out sleeping, and sleeping. That was still a good podcast. That we actually came to like multiple different things, which was pretty nuts. Yeah, but it was um, nice though. It was yeah. fun. It was a good quick hour and a half until Chris lost his wallet, and then <laughs> and that whole ordeal. Well, um, like I said, we'll get you on again soon, and uh, thanks for being on this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.